You are listening to the Great Commission Leadership Podcast, a podcast that encourages leaders pursuing the Great Commission. Well, thanks for listening to the episode four of the Great Commission Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Graham Withers, and I wanted to thank you for listening in. If you haven't had the chance to listen to episodes two and three uh, with Tim Parsons and Daniel Berry, respectively, I encourage you to go back and do so. And today I'm excited to introduce you to Todd Thomas. He is a campus pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach. Todd, thanks for coming on, man. Absolutely. It's great to uh, be a part of this podcast and great to have been a part of your life for a, quite a while now. Yeah, yeah. So Todd, Todd was a, actually a planting pastor at Centerpoint, the church I currently serve at, and the church that Tim from episode two is the lead pastor at. And uh, Todd was actually my college pastor. So I've, we've we've known each other for almost ten years. Todd, does that make you feel old, or uh, you you okay with that? I think I'm. Uh, some call me an eternal optimist, so I'm perpetually young. There you go. Yeah, I was just thinking about the other day, kind of crazy to think about how that uh, that transpired back in the, the early 2010s and uh, excited to talk to you today. Grateful for your impact in my life as college pastor and also serving on staff here with you at Centerpoint for several years. But uh, so I, I've kind of like the, the first few guests, I kind of know your all stories, but I wanted to, uh, for, to give you guys a chance to tell our audience a little bit about you kind of what brought you to uh, the ministry position that you're at today. Yeah, so just a little bit about me. I grew up in New York, Metro New York, uh, born in Long Island, moved out of there when I was going into high school and lived in Youngstown, Ohio, which is where a lot of my family still is, my brothers, my parents, and ended up through a connection of my church there, uh, going to Boyce College and Southern Seminaries, where I did my degrees, and that was in the uh, early 2000s up until uh, 2007. In 2006, I married my wife, Sarah, and we have three kids now, a son who's six and two daughters, a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and we got to be a part of planting Centerpoint Church in Lexington in 2005 where I served as the worship pastor and also the college pastor. I was ordained there and learned a ton in ministry from my mentor and my closest friends, uh, Tim Parsons, who's also been on this podcast. And we got to be a part of seeing that church grow and go to a multi-site type of model and uh, getting to raise up lots of disciples, see a lot of people called to ministry. But a couple years ago, we'd started to think about and wrestle with an opportunity to be a part of something different, specifically because of growing up in New York in an almost entirely Jewish area. I knew what it was like to live in unchurched area. And then even in Youngstown, Ohio, highly Catholic, very different than what I grew up in in New York, but still in terms of evangelical and Baptist influence, very, very minimal. And a few years back, we just started to pray about what it would look like to go into an unchurched culture again, a place where people don't normally think about Christianity every day when they get up or have uh, a lot of background when it comes to Christian truth. And uh, what it would look like to be a part of something that's thinking about reaching you know, people that are far from God and, and really have maybe never really even been interested in Christian things. And so we heard about Family Church um, years earlier through Jimmy Scrivens, who's a mentor of mine and a number of other friends on staff, and knowing that this was in a highly unchurched area and uh, a place where 
gospel impact was desperately needed. Gospel churches, uh, neighborhood churches, neighborhood pastors, neighborhood um, opportunities to, to reach neighborhoods for the kingdom of God. Uh, we decided we wanted to be a part of that. And so I've been here a little less than a year now, and we've been really excited about what we're doing, what we get to be a part of, and um, uh, looking forward to see what God has for us in the future. Yeah, well, we, we certainly miss you at Center Point, but also excited at the same time for all that God's doing through you all uh, down in uh, down in Florida and the really exciting ministry opportunity. And I'd love to hear a little bit about uh, the area that you guys are in, uh, thinking about what makes your ministry con- context a little unique. Uh, it's a little bit different than Lexington, I would assume. It is. The best way I can explain that to someone is, even though Lexington's not quite the Bible Belt, uh, there is... Uh, a pretty good part of Lexington that would have at least some Christian and church understanding far greater than we have down here. So down here in uh, West Palm Beach and South, South Florida in general, it's about 96% unchurched, meaning on any given Sunday morning, um, 4% of the population will show up at a church building for, um, for some kind of church service. And uh, that is very, very unique. The thought that I've kind of been wrestling with and how to describe that to people is this. When you talk to someone here, there's zero guilt about not going to church. Hmm. If you were to tell somebody in Lexington or in the majority of the South um, that you're a pastor, you tell them about your church or whatever, there's almost an initial response if, response if they're not going to saying, oh yeah, they should jump back in. Or there's a response of, well, here's the place that I go to, even if it's not- The mega church around the corner, pretty much. Correct, right? And uh, we we experienced that in Lexington, there's at least that level of guilt or wanting to explain that you have some kind of Christian background or who you know in the church world. And down here, that's just not a thing. People know they're not going to church. Uh, they, They don't care about going to church and we're, we're really at ground zero in terms of evangelism opportunities and uh, pointing people to Christ. Yeah. Well, you know, I've, I've been a, I guess a, a follower or a fan of, of what family church is doing from a distance, just through social media and some of the different resources that, uh, that you guys put out for a few years now, but I'm excited to hear just kind of from your perspective, you know, you've been, been there for almost a year now. Um, so thinking through, first of all, just like how you guys do, evangelism and outreach give us a little peek behind the curtain in terms of of how how that culture is established at at family church yeah the main thing i would say is we're not really a kind of see mentality type of church right we we do a, a lot of things with excellence i think when it comes to our worship services and our preaching and teaching and all that we have as good of a team here as anybody anywhere in the country is going to have but we're not banking on that to uh, to reach the masses down here because mm-hmm. people don't really care i mean they might be impressed if they actually came to your your church for us 13 campuses three different languages i mean we hope and, and we do see lots of lost people coming through our doors but most of that's through invitation and so uh, we realized i think in this network a long time ago that a come and see type of thing down here just isn't going to work. And in a lot of ways, it doesn't work in Lexington anymore either. But you know, for us, 
we didn't we don't take that as like a, a hopeless situation instead we're trying to figure out how to equip people to go back into their world yeah so we have a tool and an app and all this kind of stuff based around something called the three circles mm -hmm. which we teach to as many of our people as possible um, we offer trainings throughout the year um, it's a it's a simple way of talking to somebody about Jesus. And the whole point of the three circles tool is that you can pretty much bridge any conversation and turn it into a gospel conversation if you're paying attention. Yeah. Because it talks about going from God's design to brokenness to the hope of the gospel. And the reality is people are going to talk about brokenness around you. And you might get green light conversations that lead you directly into explaining deeper all that Christ has done for us through his crucifixion and uh, his resurrection, or you might find kind of a yellow light. They're somewhat interested, but not sure how you're going to move forward, or you'll just get shut down. You get the red light. We want to train as many people as possible to know how to get into those conversations. And so we use the three circles tool. We use trainings. We use uh, the little book that Jimmy Scroggins wrote. We use um, some video resources, and we use the app, the Life on Mission app that, um, you know, if your listeners want to get it, they can get on the App Store or the Google Play Store, and it's just a pretty simple way to talk through the gospel. Yeah, and we can include a lot of that stuff in the show notes. I've, I've, uh, I've used the three circles uh, myself with sharing the gospel, and like you said, Todd, it's really just a, it seems like to be a really natural way to flow into a gospel conversation. And uh, even thinking about, you know, asking simple questions like, uh, you know, how, how can I be praying for you? Often those, those simple questions themselves uh, result in exposing either something that's going on in their life, with their relationships, with family, with uh, health crises that kind of uh, open up the door for I'd, like topics of brokenness that, that only the gospel can address. Um, could you, so when you think about how you all train with those things, what are some of like the avenues? I know you said it kind of goes in every area of your church. Um, I imagine like this, this was something that you train adults in, students in, any, any kind of vision for people to see like how, like some practical ways to get people involved in using that, that method? Yeah. So we have trainings for all of our, all of our leaders. Um, our student ministry team trains their students uh, multiple times a year in this. All of our missions teams walk through this. And even with our kids ministry, um, look, this is something that we bring back up at camp. We bring up at um, key opportunities where we see, we want our kids, it's such a reproducible tool that even children can kind of use this and talk about how God intended things for, you know, to be and how, things don't happen as we want them to happen and that leads to sadness and brokenness and then how we can bridge that to the hope that jesus gives us in the gospel and so when you think of first peter three fifteen and the idea that we're supposed to have um you know a response to the mm -hmm. hope that we have we're supposed to be able to tell people uh, why we believe in jesus why we're willing to bank everything in life on this guy who came two thousand years ago um we think that that's something that we can show for any age level, any ministry area, any congregation we have. And when you think of what Ephesians tells us in equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, we're going to try and find a way to, to give that to every saint in our ministry to be able to use 
in their world with the people that they're around. And we think that's going to probably be the best strategy. Now, in addition to it, we're also trying to plant churches, revitalize churches. Um, the goal down here is to get to 100 neighborhood churches uh, throughout pretty much the coastline of South Florida. That's awesome. And we're at 13 and we're hoping to continue to do that. But that's going to take a lot of training, a lot of people who are good with those tools and resources we provide. And also it's going to take a lot of innovation because the reality is churches looking a lot different in the United States than it did 20, 30 years ago. And, mm. and we realize down here, if we're going to make it and we're going to do this well, it's probably going to take a lot of innovation and a lot of uh, prayer and a ton of training. Yeah. And I love that. Um, if you're, uh, if you're listening to this and you're not aware, uh, uh, Todd's church puts out a podcast called church for the rest of us in which their lead pastor, Jimmy Scroggins and a few others walk through a lot of these, uh, a lot, a, a lot of similar ideas in terms of like how to create uh, culture in really practical senses. And one of the things I love about, uh, you know, after listening to that podcast for the last few years, um, just how intentional they are to see leadership development, uh, evangelism training, what we'll talk about in a second, discipleship at every age age group. It's not just for adults, it's for students, it's for kids. Um, and they just see how that can translate into uh, every person in their area being reached with the gospel. And I think what kind of sums it up more than anything might be the word intentionality. They're really intentional to train um, and really intentional to give people that vision for, for reaching people in their worlds with the gospel. Graham, just to highlight the intentionality side, one thing that we really try and build into the culture here is not just training our people to do it, but all of our pastors and staff having examples in their own lives about how they're carrying this out. Mm -hmm. So all of our staff meets together on Wednesday morning uh, for a staff chapel and a prayer time for our people. But it's not uncommon to hear our, our lead pastor, Jimmy Scroggins, talk about a gospel encounter that he's had that week, or for us to go around the room and share about people we've been praying for or opportunities we've had to walk through the three circles or, or just tell people about um, the hope that we have in Christ in some way, shape, or form. We're, we're doing that all the time. I did that um, two weeks ago in my band pre-service meeting at my campus for somebody that I was uh, sharing with and talking, uh, talking to about Jesus. And we just think that that stuff uh, gets handed down a lot easier if at the, the highest level we're all carrying that out, yeah. right? And so it's the idea of, um, you know, more is caught than taught. We think both are important, but right. I think our people will catch on to the importance of, of that and the urgency of the gospel if we're modeling that at the highest level, right? If we're saying, follow me as I follow Christ— and they see us following Christ, and one of the implications of us following Christ is telling people about Jesus, uh, hopefully that's something that they're catching. Yeah, so the leadership is not just telling people to do it, but modeling it and expecting it from the highest level in the organization. And I love that you even do that with your worship people because, you know, sometimes, like, if we're not careful, we can see something like worship is not a discipleship or an evangelistic uh, focused ministry, but in reality— for a Great Commission church or for a Great Commission culture to, to take place, it has to catch on with every single person, no matter what their main gifting is, no matter what their main focus is. It has to be something that, that everyone catches on to. So I love that, man. Um, so kind of changing gears a little bit, thinking about discipleship, um, what are some of the main ways that, that you all focus on discipling and helping your people grow? Yeah, so that's a little bit 
different than what we did at Centerpoint. At Centerpoint, we yeah. have lots of one-on-one resources and and, uh, and then groups and things like that. And I would say we probably have a little bit more emphasis here on uh, groups and bigger setting coaching, partly just because of the size of yeah. our congregation. But uh, we are starting to offer more one-on-one resources, one-on-two resources through uh, some new initiatives here. Like we're going to be coming out with pretty soon a a 30-day self-guided or discipleship resource on the three circles for new believers. So pretty much what we did with some of our new believers studies when we were at Centerpoint, that idea, except uh, something a little bit more tailored to the culture and vision of what we're doing here in three circles and how much that permeates uh, all of what we do here. And so that resource is coming out pretty soon. And we're going to be taking tons of people through that nice. in smaller environments, one on two, one on three. Um, you know, some people who've maybe already been through things like that, we're going to do some test groups with to see how it worked with them and maybe encourage them to try and take other people through it. Um, but then we do have our groups and our groups have a variety. We have, we have groups that are, you know, new believers, three circles types of groups, all the way up to deeper Bible study groups. And then in addition to that, we've added in this, even the season that I've been here, a number of sermon-based groups, which is what we did exclusively at Centerpoint and seeing the value in things like that. And so uh, we have a number of pathways and we're even trying to sharpen that. I think Centerpoint is so far ahead of the curve and a lot of, um, a lot of, other churches in the country in how that's done and the family church we're, we're even piggybacking on some of those same ideas to do that better here yeah so um what are some of those ways that you guys are currently i know because it, it, the it's a tough question because you guys are a lot bigger than center point is and so it's it makes it a lot more challenging but what are some of the ways that you all encourage people to be involved with small groups um any any practical things for for people to take away with yeah i would say graham that the beauty of what we do here is that each campus pastor can tailor it for their congregation so uh, downtown family church you know they're gonna have almost two thousand people every sunday where as my campus we're gonna have uh 300 or you know if you include our spanish service 400 people that are around our campus on a weekend uh, for some of our other campuses that's smaller and others it's bigger. Um, but we also have all kinds of different socioeconomic and race language barriers. And yeah, that's true. And so our, our guys and all of our campus directors and pastors are thinking of ways that it applies specifically to their campus and contextualization is huge here. Yeah. Um, and so for, some of our campuses where they can tell biblical illiteracy is really low the group offerings at that campus can be way more entry level to get to know the bible and why we study the bible and how to study the bible Um, and if you find some of those campuses where that's a little bit different we can tailor it to those different needs nice so uh, for our campus specifically one of the ways that uh, we've, we've seen some success. One of the ways that we've seen um, God really use uh, some people in our church is through some 
opportunities for uh, moms and uh, especially speci specifically moms from a broken marriage background, a, uh, the idea of helping each other through this really, really hard season of being a single mom and uh, marriage failing. And um, there's a group that meets for that that has just been huge, a huge, huge encouragement to helping some ladies uh, grow in their relationship with Christ or even being introduced to the basics of following Jesus. Yeah, and I think for those of us listening to what Todd's saying there, I think the key is to to think about how to apply, because we talked about before how uh, Jesus gives us the Great Commission, but doesn't give us step one, step two, step three. He says for us to be faithful, and uh, that looks different in every context. And so thinking through how to best shepherd your own people in your own context, because, you know, uh, the the people that make up, the churches down there are a lot different than the people who make up the churches up here in a lot of ways, a lot of a lot of similarities too. But uh, just thinking through contextualization and how important it is to really think about uh, how how to best make that uh, to show that faithfulness in your own context. That's huge. Um, so, Todd, let me know uh, what is the best leadership lesson that you've ever learned. Um. I mean, Graham, you, you know me pretty well, and I can dabble my hand in a lot of different things. I, I think one of the best lessons that I've had to uh, learn from personal experience would be the importance of, of raising up people and delegating. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I've, I've been a graphic designer. I've been a worship leader. I've been, uh, you know, involved in preaching. I've led college ministries. And we basically had to replace you with three people here. And, well, uh you know, that's just a little bit of, of what your uh, what your absence has left us with, but and great people, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, but but some of that, you know, you have to learn over the years, like the importance of raising up and training and launching people forward in ministry and in uh, opportunity. That's probably the, one of the biggest lessons I've learned. I'll tell you just from uh, from Tim though, and Tim's leadership one of the best leadership lessons I've learned from him. I speak of Tim, I mean, Tim Parsons, who's the lead pastor at Centerpoint and being under him for as long as I was, was just the importance of, uh, of godliness. Mm. Uh, we say a clear conscience is a soft pillow. And uh, so to learn from somebody who really, really excels in the area of integrity and prayer and careful, um, careful with his decision-making and all that, has been a huge thing for me that I've probably just learned by watching and being around. Yeah, yeah. And that's actually kind of one of the things that he said when he answered this question. Uh, you know, he had a few other things to say for this, the, for this but I think the first one was uh, the importance of godliness, of character. And, uh, you know, you know probably even better than me just how much he emulates that and how there's no question about what his priorities are. And uh, that really sets the pace. And, you know, I'm sure like like me you, you've been really impacted by that as well um so thinking about the best piece of leadership advice you've ever been given what what's something that somebody said that's just been really impactful for you i'll go with barry shuttle who uh was a youth pastor for almost 30 years at the same church in georgia i got to intern under him when i was uh in college barry said this he stuck with me your walk talks and your talk talks but your walk talks more than your talk talks so you can chew on that for a little while, but pretty much uh, the the challenge that Barry was giving us when he said that was 
that uh, people are going to see how you live. And so you can say all you want, but if, you're, if your walk is not backing up your talk, then uh, your ministry ultimately is going to crumble uh, around you. Or, or at the end of the day, again, a clear conscience is a soft pillow. You're not going to be happy with who you are. And, uh, and so I've, I've lived by that. And I hope that I'm living that out well. Your walk talks, your talk talks, but your walk talks more than your talk talks. Yeah, and that's something I've heard you say since, you know, even in college ministry. And, uh, you know, like you and Tim, I mean, both of you guys are, you know, I would say you, you the two of you, and maybe a, maybe just a handful of other people, but more than anybody else, God's just used you guys to help me see what leadership looks like, but also just like what it looks like to be a faithful pastor. And I, I just see that in you guys so much. I see you living that out. And uh, I'm, I'm grateful that, um, you know, God provided those examples for me. Um, last question. Uh, what's a, what's a book or resource that has helped shape your leadership? I'm going to give you a handful of them. Um, okay. Tim did the same thing. Somebody already took a bunch of mine, Tim, <laughs> but, uh, I will start with J.I. Packer's a compilation called 131 Christians. Everyone should know okay. this book probably came out 20 years ago, but it's many Christian biographies and it's fantastic. So I would strongly recommend that to you. Uh, you know, you, you can read in it about Martin Luther and then you'll turn the next page and it will talk to you about Fanny Crosby who wrote hymns. And then you'll talk about C.S. Lewis, who's such a great philosopher. And then uh, it, it'll take you through guys that helped translate the Bible, John Wycliffe, and, and then, you know, all kinds of different people. And so to me, I, I love biographies. I feel like I can learn a lot of times from somebody's life story mm-hmm. uh, as much as I would a, a John Maxwell book that's walking you through page by page of how to do leadership. Sometimes you learn better from hearing how people just live their lives. A second, which uh, is one I know that has impacted you quite a bit, but the book Brothers, We Are Not Professionals by John Piper, just a reminder to us of in our Fortune 500 CEO, big business type of world, um, we're called to be shepherds. Mm-hmm. And, and even the emphasis in that book of how pastors need pastors and uh, the importance of leading like, uh, like a shepherd and not, not getting too carried away in professional, uh, that was my air quotes, ministry. Uh, J. Oswald Sanders' Spiritual Leadership is an absolute classic. Great I think one. every single pastor, uh, Christian leader should read that book. And then the last one um, that has jumped out to me is a book by uh, Harold Myra Marshall Shelley called The Leadership Secrets of Billy Graham. Mm, yeah, that's um, a great that, one too. That book talks so much about the integrity of Graham's ministry uh, from the very beginning, how they built things with financial integrity and personnel integrity and some of the hard decisions. Like one of the, one of the best things I've learned from that book and so many of these other resources I explained to you or just shared a second ago about is the importance of making the right decision, but making hard decisions in ministry. Hmm. And Billy Graham was faced with so many of those at different points in, in his uh, you know, th- their ministry grew so wildly fast. And yet all along the way, he had to make some really, really hard choices about how he was going to do ministry and where he was going to do ministry and who was going to do it alongside him and the timelines of things. And, and uh, so I think that's a great book. If you just want a little biographical leadership book, 
Leadership Secrets of Billy Graham is a pretty good one. Yeah, and we'll include all those in the show notes as well. I, I remember you mentioning that book uh, years ago, and I, I picked up a copy of it, the one about Billy Graham, and uh, impacted by it as well, just the faithfulness that he showed, but also just his leadership, uh, his leadership skill, and how he surrounded himself with such great leaders. That was, that was a really helpful read. And then uh, Spiritual Leadership has been one of mine as well. I remember I was listening to a podcast one time, or a few different ones, and uh, on two different ones, uh, both John Maxwell and John Piper both said that spiritual leadership was their one of their most impactful resources ever. And so I thought with those two guys, I mean, you know, you get the leadership guy with John Maxwell and a more uh, theologically focused guy with, with John Piper. Uh, but for both of those guys to say that that's been impactful, that's, uh, that says a lot about the, the meat that's involved with that book. Well, Todd, thanks so much for coming on today, man. I appreciate you uh, spending some time on the podcast. I appreciate your example, your leadership, your ministry. And, uh, and I just, uh, I love you, brother. Yeah, Graham, well, we love you, man. Our family's proud of you and so excited about uh, getting to do ministry with you for all those years and now watching from a distance is fun too. Amen. So, uh, And uh, hey, you're going to be a dad soon. So we're excited. That's right. That. Amen. Uh, blessings on you guys. Blessings on your ministry there in Lexington and, and uh, looking forward to listening to a bunch of these. Yeah, uh, as yeah. You, as, you grow your, as you grow your hearers. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Great Commission Leadership Podcast. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe, share, and rate so that others can be impacted as well. You can connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at GCLpod. And join us again next week for another episode of the Great Commission Leadership Podcast.